0: Welcome to the Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller podcast. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me, of course, is the rookie, Chris Tashu.
1: I'm here for the open house once again. Do you guys have anything to eat?
0: We are talking about three episodes from Barney Miller back in 1980. We're at the start of a new decade. Started last month when we talked about People's Court, which came out January 3rd, 1980. But here we are, January 10th, 1980 for Vanished Part 1. Vanish part two would come out a week later and the child Stealers comes out a week after that, January 24th, 1980. That's kind of nice when TV shows didn't take that midwinter break and just tell you to screw off from December to February. If it's even that short these days, I don't even know how long the the midwinter break is, but it sometimes it feels interminable.
1: Been on a break for a while now for, for, for other reasons, so. Now we'll get the strike break and then the midwinter break later this year. Isn't that nice?
0: Well, you know, people keep saying, oh, strike's over, strike's over. It's like, yeah, but the actors are still striking, right? I saw Zoe Deschanel on the picket line, who is probably not the person I want to represent me if I was an actor, but that's a whole other podcast.
1: Wow. Goddamn, some hot heat directed at one of the two Deschanel sisters.
0: Shots fired. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. vanished part one well we might as well talk one and two really together kind of like when we come back next month we'll be talking about Dietrich's arrest part one and two and we'll also talk about guns and uniform days so four episodes but this one we're just doing three vanished one and two as chris has referred to our good friend is it sam the uh, vagrant i believe ray ray, ray ray
1: brewer played by john dulligan who has oh, su- he has such so a great ducked. like he didn't even have to reintroduce himself i remembered him from that was that episode last season open house right i guess that was the yeah. name the name of the episode was open house yeah i remembered him the moment he walked in. i was like oh okay yeah you again
0: yeah he is so great he is awesome
1: yeah, and he has, I mean, he has this weird energy about him too, because again, like he he seems a lot more comfortable in the precinct than anybody else ever does. Like he walks in, and he's just like, I'm back here again. Hey everybody, remember me? It's like even yeah. uh, I'm trying to think who um not Roy Brock, um, but there's another actor who he plays this the shop owner.
0: Even oh, he right.
1: even he doesn't act that kind of chummy with the guys in the precinct. And I think we've seen him more, but it's just it's funny like they they're not like trying to get rid of him, they're not trying to throw him out. They more or less like other than him and Harris kind of or I guess him and Wojo kind of at ha- ha- odds with each other like they believe him outright. Like they they're not oh, even yeah. like questioning his story, which I appreciated that about this episode that this episode is is more interested in like not them questioning him but trying to figure out what's going.
0: And what I think that was Stanley Brock.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah yeah and yeah he's terrific i love the way he comes in just kind of grabs a chair sits down he's maintaining harris's desk in the second part of this episode but yeah he's terrific and he tells a story about how when they he and all of his homeless friends when they go to sleep at night they wake up and people are missing and of course we get the uh um no we don't get the did you check the basement for pods line here but there's a lot of they do they're like oh what could be going on here and then uh yeah of all people they send out harris to of all people chris i know of all people the most stylishly dressed of all of them has to rip off all of his amazing uh outfits and uh become a homeless person yeah undercover
1: well what i find really funny is obviously that's the gap right it's like let's take the most well-dressed well manicured one might even go as far as to say night person in the precinct and make him have to go and be you know on the streets investigating you know undercover i do find it funny that they just keep like he just keeps clowning on barney's outfit and then barney clowns on his like they're clowning on each other this entire episode with their outfits i'm assuming that the gag and i mean it's kind of it's implied but the gag is that they all look terribly dressed, but like that's not the case. Like, I don't like that stuff that they're wearing doesn't look remotely like they would be homeless or like like no. you know, vagrants, as maybe this episode more aptly put it. I just think it's funny. It's like, oh, look at how shitty you're dressed. Like, just dress shitty at all. It looks
0: right. fine. Yeah, I mean, I guess to make a vagrant, you use like some uh you crumple your hat. Yes. And you have some fingerless gloves.
1: Yeah, and or or in uh, John Dulligan's case, a a jacket that fits too big like too oh, big because yeah. that's the thing like it's never you know when a home when a homeless person in media is portrayed they never have something too small it's often a jacket that's too big or yeah the the, cr- the crumpled hat <laughs> it's just <laughs> the crumpled hat really just i was hoping he might have a bindle sack but he's not a he's not a rail riding homeless person. no, no yeah he's a he, i guess he's a vagrant yeah it's probably the- <laughs> <laughs> the the best term. I think it's interesting though because again obviously, you know, 1980s New York, New York coming out of kind of the the thing with Ford, you know, New York can go to hell, right? All of that like it's interesting that cuz in this season they haven't really had a lot of I I don't know what you would call them, but I guess it's like social messages of like, I don't know, I cuz I don't I don't know if this episode's trying to have a message with what they're doing with the with the bake with the vagrants or You know, the John Delegan character, but it's weird because they care a lot and it doesn't seem like they just care because they at least Barney does. And I I, have always appreciated that about this show and about Barney Miller as a character is that he is a genuinely empathetic character and that comes through. But what's interesting is I would go as far as to say Harris is strangely just as empathetic in the second part of this episode. Maybe not so much the first part, but that's because, again, he's not out in the field yet, but right. It's weird because normally Harris is just very not interested in participating in anything that would put him at odds with his image, but he just seems like okay like i'm 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 on board and on the same page as what's going on,
0: yeah, um, I'm gonna get this episode and the next one mixed up a little bit because there's at one point they asked Ray, How did you become homeless, and you expect it to be this real heartrending story right. And instead, it's, you know, oh, I was this, I was this. And then, uh, one day I woke up and, uh, I was a vagrant. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? Yeah. So you don't get any, any story at all. He, he, he plays it so well, though. I mean, yeah, Dulligan just can milk a scene in a great yeah. way.
1: Yeah. He's a, he's a really believable, like, set. He's a really sappy character. And like, again, like just the way he carries himself, his outfit, again, he doesn't have the fingerless gloves, but he might as well. I mean, he looks the part. And to your point, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting when he goes off and kind of Harris goes off with him. I feel like the episode kind of suffers when they're not around because every, yeah. I mean, thankfully we do get to see what I would consider to be at this point, like, okay, so Luger's part of the show. Oh, so much. So like it it kind of is or more or less redeemed immediately because Luger shows up and they kind of hand off the episode to him. But holy shit. Yeah. Like John Delegant is so good in this episode that it's a shame when he's not on screen. But yeah, then you transition to the B plot of uh, the biggest Luger storyline I think we've had up until this point in the show. Actually, like a storyline for his character in a, a story moment that I think may have some repercussions down the road, at least for the way he acts towards the people in the 12th precinct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's really remarkable that he's, I mean, because he comes in and he usually has stuff going on, but I would say he's usually more C level than he's more, definitely more B level in this one, if not almost a, but I, I think the homeless story is your a story.
1: I think because it's a two part episode i think you could almost make the case that it's two a storylines because Mm -hmm. because the the b plot or c plot is is so not anything i'm not saying it's not funny or not amusing it's just there's so little to it that it's just this woman in the precinct just kind of ping-ponging between dietrich and woe and that's about it
0: do i have to say elaine giftos what a gift to humanity she was. Oh my gosh. She was, I mean, she's still around, but she was just amazing. And I remember seeing her in so many things when I was younger and she just always was so striking. She was almost as striking as, oh, I can't remember the actress's name. The one from, um, soap that occasionally shows up as a uh, prostitute on the show, but I was surprised when Giftos came in. I was like, Oh, well, here's another prostitute, but no, <laughs> she, uh, trying to find a proper father for her baby. And I was very surprised at the end of her storyline when, uh, she's looking up, uh, well, actually more than looking up that, uh, it seems like her and, uh, Levitt have hooked up. Yeah. I wouldn't think that his DNA was proper since he's so short.
1: Well, what's funny is, you know, you have Dietrich making moves and Wojo it's making moves and their game between the two of them. Those oh, two guys boy. have no game whatsoever. I mean, Wojo, yeah, yeah. what's funny is it, it almost feels like because of Wojo's girl, I can never see that character as like a sexual uh, being anymore because yeah. he is he seems so out of sorts as a person when he's not in the precinct where it's like i can't believe you would go on a date with someone because i've seen it now and you are completely unable to even like hold a conversation with someone and so like i'm when during this i was like there's no first off there's no way that dietrich is not an alien which again i think has been more or less established that he is not of and enough we'll talk about it we'll talk talk about about it real soon but my point is like i can't even believe like It's more believable that it's Levitt because to me at this point, Levitt is the only human character on this show other than Barney. Everybody else is just this, like, they're so specifically a thing that like they're, they are a bundle of so many things that like Barney feels like a human and Levitt now feels more like a human than ever. But yeah, Wojo can't see him as a sexual being anymore. And Dietrich just. Again, like now they're going in such a weird angle with this character that he's losing his humanness because that's seemingly what they want to do.
0: Right. I want to talk about the very beginning of the episode because it's very strange. This episode almost starts in media res. Like it starts off with this over the shoulder, the sh- shot of Wojohowicz as he's eating a sandwich and you've got. Dietrich and Harris in the background, as far back as, you know, the precinct that's pretty small. Harris it looks like he's eating a yogurt or something. A pudding cup, a snack back? Yeah, yeah. And and Dietrich is standing there and he kind of turns from Harris like he like he had been talking with Harris, and he just turns from him and then walks over to Wojo's desk. And I'm like, was there a whole conversation that we missed here? It, it, did something happen. And so I even went out to um Dailymotion dot com and was watching the episode that way because I was like, well, you know, we've seen this before where right. this this happens and the one that's on uh Daily Motion starts later on. It starts with Ray opening the door and coming in, and Harris is still eating that 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 yogurt or or uh, yeah. pudding or whatever. So it's like, okay, well, the, the beginning is cut off on certain episodes, but it feels cut off even on the longest version that I was able to find. It was so strange.
1: Yeah, it, it, is, a weird, it is a weird opening. I do like the whole idea of Dietrich going, baiting Wojo into giving him half of his Right. <laughs> Such a fucking dickhead. But I mean, like, again, I mean, like, I don't know, like, they, there's like one conversation that needs to happen before they get to that.
0: Well yeah it's the conversation that he has with Harris. Right. I imagine that he had it and was trying to get some of Harris's lunch and when that doesn't work he goes over to Wojo but we're missing that completely.
1: Yeah. Well I wonder I wonder if it just didn't if it didn't play well if the joke wasn't that right. good it w- I don't know maybe I could see it Dietrich talking about like how they make yogurt and like oh yogurt is you know mold and you know oh right you know, right cuz like I mean again it is like yogurt is is a cultured cultured milk product so it's uh, it's mold and you know it's don't you know what that is and it's the same stuff that's on top of your cheese like I could see that but it's not there yeah I I don't know it's there have been some weird things in this show I'm trying to remember back a couple episodes ago there were a couple weird shots that we were commenting on where it was like close right. up close-up shots of people that were very atypical for a show of this type, or at least this show specifically.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, it's so strange because by the time so the the one on daily motion is from TV land, which is probably um, we should probably say that Bernie is no longer on Amazon Prime, but I imagine it was that same version. Cause yeah, we we talked about that. Gosh, probably, I think in the sixth season, um, another episode where it got cut off at the beginning and it's like, okay, just editing for time so you can stick in more commercials. Just bizarre. I've, I've got to assume that's what it was. Yeah. And I love the interplay of, um, Dietrich and Barney when Barney's trying to do a crossword puzzle. Cause it's just like, you know who you go to. If you're having problems with a crossword puzzle, you go right to Dietrich and then Dietrich just humiliating him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> why don't you he's like why don't you ever come and talk to me just normal like just have a normal conversation right. or no he said he says that yeah. we have noticed and, we never have any personal conversations is what he's right
0: yeah and that the the answer to the crossword was miller and then how he like looks over his shoulder he's like oh do you want me to it's blank what was it? blank uh google <laughs> so barney google <laughs> that's the other one i thought i
1: I thought that was pretty good. I thought that, that was, it was a, a nice little touch. I, and I, I mean, it is funny, though, if you, if you think about it. The Dietrich character has a point. Him and Barney have very impersonal oh, interactions, God. more so than he does with anybody else. I mean, Barney is almost like a father figure to Wojo. I think not almost. I mean, I think he more or less is a surrogate father figure. And then... I, I don't know how Harris views Barney, but I mean, Levitt clearly views him as the boss, but I don't know. I think Dietrich views him as like an equal, like an intellectual equal, maybe like it's I can never get the sense of how Dietrich views Barney because, again, Dietrich is such a strange, intentionally strange character, but he does seem somewhat hurt that Barney doesn't want to like to know
0: him. Right. But he makes it so awkward. I think that's the joke. I <laughs> but have, like
1: that's the point, right? I have
0: co-workers like Dietrich, and yeah, you just don't want to get caught in a personal conversation with them.
1: You know, we never have personal conversations. That's intentional. Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly.
1: But then I want to hear about your collection of lichen. Right.
0: <laughs> I don't want to hear what goes on at the Goethe Festival.
1: Yeah, exactly. But well, actually, the, I bet the way Harris views Barney is he probably views Barney as the guy who shouldn't be in charge, and Harris should be in charge. Mm-hmm. I, I th- and and that I mean that that came through was that oh no that's oh man i think i watched ahead Uh (laughs) have barney and harris yelled at each other yet
0: Uh, okay
1: i I, uh, i've watched ahead then
0: i mean other than the the one where it was um barney not getting harris's back with the racism stuff
1: but that's i think the way harris would view barney but it's it's interesting (laughs) because again like I think Dietrich has a point. <laughs> as much oh, yeah. as he can have a point.
0: Yeah. No, I think if this was a few years later, then I, I think still in nineteen eighty, I mean, because we have never seen anybody at like Bernie's Boat or above that is an African American. Right. And then even when we think about the female cops that come in, I think they're all white females that come or in. Or
1: Hispanic.
0: Or Hispanic, right. right. Or white people pretending to be Hispanic. Or Italian, I seen her for a pretending while. To be a right. Yeah. the The whole thing with Luger is kind of upsetting. <laughs>
1: you know, it's ageist, right? I mean, it's oh, the yeah. it's the ageist thing. Like, oh, if you're not going to retire, we'll just demote you. Like, right. it's it's a weird storyline because if this had happened in the first season, I would've been like, who gives a shit, right? But now it's like, okay, it's Luger season six. Luger, a very different version of himself, a much more palatable version of himself. You feel bad because, like, he's just like a. He's more or less been because he wanted to continue to work, probably because he has right because he has nothing left to live for, which is more or less what this episode says. It's fucking horrifying. And then, and then in the next episode, which is again, this is a two-parter. In the next episode, nobody wants to work with him. And it's like, okay, so not only is this guy seemingly suicidal, but everybody in the precinct is like, fuck this asshole. (laughs) Which, I mean, we all know somebody like Luger, who is who they are and that sometimes can be prickly and a problem. But, I mean, he's not that bad.
0: No, no. He's just
1: kind of of a ding-dong more than anything
0: else. I mean, he'll tell you all the stories about brownie and all those guys, but you know, I mean, I'm sure his stories get pretty old after a while, but yeah, he's, he seems like a sincere person. I mean, it was probably a little awkward, uh, you know, at Barney's um, uh, Thanksgiving a few years ago when he invited him, I think he invites him multiple years, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I like that Luger makes a pass at, uh, at, uh, at Aline gift and She just looks at him and goes, no thanks. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man. It, you know, I think of the two-parters that we've seen, this is a
0: pretty good two-parter. At least the it first is. part is. It doesn't feel like this only needed to be one and a half episodes. You know, like we don't have enough story to maintain an hour. This has enough story to keep us going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, you, you mentioned we have some pretty good interactions between Luger and Barney talking about Brownie and Kleiner. And, oh, they tried to do the same thing to Kleiner. And two weeks later, he was shot. Right. Again, what's funny is like, it's just they're giving Luger a lot more characterization is as an empathetic character than they ever have. And it works Mm -hmm. like he is. I think he's a believably empathetic character. And the way that he interacts with Harris at the end. I think is also (laughs) is also really funny. I I, I don't know. Because him and Harris always feel like they've never been able to get on the same page, obviously. And I don't know. I think I think I think we're moving closer in that in that direction. I hope Luger is more a part of the show. I mean, again, it kind of seems like it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was the first few episodes in this season where it's like, where the hell's Luger? Why haven't we seen this guy?
1: Well, and I think they even acknowledge it at the beginning of the first part of they're like, uh, hey, it's been a while since we've seen Right. Him. Yeah, it has been. A- it has been a while. What he, what was he was uh, he filming what, Flight of the Dragons, you think? Was he doing the voiceover <laughs> work for that Rankin and Bass uh, thing that he was in? <laughs>
0: You mean a flight of dragons.
1: Oh, a flight of dragons. Sorry. Yes, not to be confused yes. with the sequel, flight of dragons.
0: Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I love when he's just like, I'll be in my office barn. <laughs> like, uh, uh, uh,
1: not it's your like, office, bro.
0: <laughs> I have to say the, uh, sorry to, to just be a weirdo for a second, but these episodes, especially part two and the next one, I don't know what it is, but they look, really good the ones yes. that we have uh just look really nice and i'm like what happened here why are these episodes so nice compared to some of the other ones where it's like they just looked washed out and just you know kind of kind of crummy vhs rip type of stuff and these they look pretty solid
1: yeah it's uh i don't know maybe it's like the it's it's the 80s-ness of it again because now we're in you know now it's eight right it's still, I, I will say, I don't think the show has gotten into the 80s yet. I mean, it's only eight. So the 80s doesn't right. pick up until, you know, I, what, what the 80s probably didn't pick up until what, 83, 84, in terms of like yeah, the I mean, kinds of things that you're expecting to see in the styles that exist as like the mid-80s, right? Yeah,
0: because the, the Reagan isn't even in office yet. We are right. in the election year coming up. So probably, I don't even know if he's really running Probably running a little bit they probably have had the convention to nominate him but yeah it's it, it's still not proper 80s i mean we right. are we the 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 pump is primed for yep Japanese and um all of the garbage that goes along with the the 1980s
1: yeah and and that's and that's the thing the show is there but it's there yet and just like the times itself so it's 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 like la- it, there's a little bit of lag time, but I mean, the show still looks great. And yeah. hey, when Levitt shows up at the beginning of the second episode wearing that outfit, he looks pretty Getting good for once. For once, the man cleans up well.
0: He's so put out after he's just like, oh, hey, uh, you're going to need some manpower in the last episode. And then as he shows up here in the suit and freaking Luger sitting at his desk, it's just like, OK, what's going on here, Barnes? <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> happy. No,
1: and, and it's, you know, I like I, I I like where they've gone with Levitt, and I like where they've gone with what his kind of expectations are. Again, again, I'm assuming he never becomes a major part of the precinct in terms of, like, actually being there, as opposed to just showing up from time to time when they need it, but I feel like at this point, I, I would be okay if he was there permanent.
0: Yeah, I would be too. Another really funny thing, and I was glad that I was able to guess this joke before they had it, which was... When they finally figure out that Harris is missing, they're like, oh, we need to put out an APB and uh, need to put out a photo. And it's like, uh, what photo are we going to use? And I was just like, the author photo, the author photo. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, he doesn't really like this photo that much. And then it's like, okay, we'll use this one then.
1: <laughs> and I like where they end up going with the kind of the way the storyline is resolved. I guess it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And as much as it can, I don't know, Shanghaiing a bunch of like homeless people and forcing them to go work. Like,
0: yeah, it seems, I mean, you know, this is what happens when we don't have open borders in the US. Okay. Where we can just use migrant workers. Instead, we have to Shanghai homeless people and drive them down to, where is it? North Carolina? North Carolina.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's like far away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it calls from the Stuckies on the freeway, which was pretty good. (laughs)
1: And he and, and then he's like, I gotta go back next week too for all these like the what what did you get yourself
0: involved in here? Right, right. I was I think if the episode if vanished one and two has a weak spot, it is and I hate to say this, it's Leonard Frey's character is Alfred Royce, the people's candidate. Um, which is a great joke in there, but Alfred Royce, um the the guy that plays him. Uh, Leonard Frey, he is great or fry. Uh, I love him as an actor. Uh, though, and this, this reference going to go right over your head. Maybe I kept expecting him to start talking about a sewing machine. No, Hitler nothing. on the
1: roof, right?
0: Yes. Oh, nice.
1: That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Very nice. Good
1: one, Chris. Yeah. That's a a fiddler reference. Oh, yeah. Fiddler fans out there.
0: (laughs) The big fiddler head convention that we have. Yeah. Fiddler
1: Uh heads. That's what they call them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's, I mean, as an actor, he's fantastic, but he just kind of shows up, does a little bit, and then he leaves. I mean, they don't, he doesn't overstay his welcome, but you know he's still kind of the weakest part of the whole thing
1: he's the weakest part of a relatively well done two-part episode in a sitcom which is a i don't know how you feel about this but sitcoms and two-part episodes tend to like not be worth their time
0: oh no no and this is a weird season because like i said earlier we've got another two-parter coming up in our next episode
1: yeah so it's it's weird to me like i normally don't think very highly of two-parters but i think this is a very well done two-parter i mean the stakes of what's going on are pretty low it feels like normally two-parters are left for like some sort of big you know change in the show like a seat right. change or like a, a scenery change or something but they're no like, no nope, just just because i actually not even sure why this is a two-part story
0: yeah i mean really they could have just Said that's the end of the episode. I mean, you would be like, well, where's Harris when this starts? But they are starting to get into continuity a lot more in these later seasons.
1: And that is the crazy because we really haven't seen a lot of continuity. I mean, continuity in terms of like characters showing back up. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. You talk about the next episode we're talking about. But The continuity that they've done has been more just like reminding us that Wentworth is still around by having her name on the board. Like, that's as much like, oh, you know, there's Nick's desk. Nick has been dead, obviously. All right. Question, because it's ever been really addressed. Is Nick Yamana dead? I
0: thought they said, I thought they said why he's not on the show anymore, other than the episode where it was the remembrance of Jack Sue. Okay. I thought he got reassigned or something, but
1: I don't, I don't, I don't don't remember. So that's why I'm asking you and the listeners or, uh, or Otto who wrote the book, please. I mentioned it and we just didn't catch it because they, Nick's desk is a kind of weird part of this episode because that's where Luger is. That's where Levitt wants to be. But yeah, I just was thinking about that. Like is is because again, Jack Sue passed away and they had the Jack Sue remembrance episode, but, they, I again, unless they did, I don't. It, it's kind of weird that they've never like outright addressed it.
0: Right, right. I mean, this season it feels like they're treating it like he died, but in right. the last season when he was just missing, I don't think that they ever said that he passed away. Right.
1: Yeah, they're they're treating him like he's dead, I guess. Yeah, because of the reverence.
0: Yeah, the whole reverence of the desk, and yeah, and and that was also you know there was a little bit of reverence, but then there was also. Uh, Captain Miller, I thought you wanted me up here and now I don't have a place to sit. So it became kind of a thing for Levitt, which showed his character.
1: Right. No, actually, I think this is probably the best Levitt has been so far in the show up until this yeah. point. And it's a testament to Ron Carey. As, I mean, I, I think, you know, again, the, the acting of Ron Carey was not being served by the plot and the storylines and the dialogue they were giving him. He's a great actor. I mean, he's in History of the World Part One. He's in one of the better segments in that. But yeah, I feel like the show and the show runners were using him as kind of an afterthought, as a lot of mm-hmm. butt of the jokes, frankly. Right. And I'm right. glad that that's not the case anymore. I mean, he's kind of the butt of the joke in this episode, but he, like you said, he kind of gets to show his, you know, show what he's made of, as it were. And I think that's a much more important lesson to learn as a character and a thing to see as an audience than him just getting what he wants just because.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I love when Harris comes back. He's got all those homeless guys with him. And he just has to, like, doing the hand signals. Like, no, no, you stay over there. Like, it's the whole thing that he's doing. Just, uh, yeah, him uh, as kind of the king of the hobos in this is pretty great.
1: And then the the people's candidate becoming the secondary king of the hobos. Right. They'll listen to him.
0: <laughs> They're not registered
1: to vote. Right. they right. <laughs> not registered. I, I like where the episode concludes and i like that yeah you know luger goes back of course he does he was never gonna mm-hmm. be in like he's never gonna be in the precinct full time like that would be nice that'd be a nice yeah. interesting change but james james gregory i don't think signed up
0: no I
1: mean, he's signed up for that but he was he's welcome in this episode in the way that he is used and i love that kind of the look at the end of the episode, they just kind of you know, gives the door, and then he just you know goes back to reading the newspaper. Like I don't know, it's it's a different look for Luger, and I like where they go with this. I think he's probably the best part of these two episodes for me in general. Yeah,
0: you know something else that kind of tells you where this episode is in history is that paper that he's reading. I want to say it says something like "Growing Danger for Hostages." Mm-hmm. I think it's the whole Iran hostage situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, right in the right at the beginning of Carter's presidency.
0: Yep, and they ha- this was after the uh, October Surprise, where they tried to rescue the hostages, which was a unmitigated disaster. And this is before um, this is probably before Ben Affleck saves them all.
1: All right, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that really happened.
0: <laughs> ben Affleck was there. Yeah, I saw them it. all out.
1: That's what they said.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I think the only other two-part episode that really sticks with me, apart from this one would probably stick with me, was the one where they had to all sleep in the precinct because of the uh, chance of, what was it, smallpox or some other communicable disease. And I think that just struck us so much because of the time that we watched it because it was like, oh, wow, you guys are talking about diseases. Okay, and here we are, stuck inside.
1: And, nice transition, because in that two-part episode, Mr. Driscoll was there, and now, in The Child Stealers, he's here again. And boy, this is, without a doubt, the gayest episode of Barney Miller. <laughs> <laughs> it On a is. a very special episode of Barney Miller.
0: Well, and it really does bring up some good points. You know, again, this whole way that they treat these gay characters and they're not i mean of course marty is very stereotyped and everything but he's got good things to say and then yeah with driscoll and his son and that his wife is keeping him from seeing the son and i do like some of those wry jokes of uh him saying that he's probably never going to have another son yeah that's
1: a pretty good one
0: yeah it was a good one that was a good one. and then I mean, that whole story is great. And then, of course, we've got the whole thing with um, the telly um, and just that whole will-he-won't-he kind of thing. Um, I thought that was pretty good. But, I mean, you put Richard Libertini in an episode, and I'm just going to be focused on Richard Libertini. I'm sorry, but he's fantastic, and it's so funny because I was like, didn't he play this character already? (laughs) Because he's been on the show before, but Am I mixing him up with was there another time traveler or was it just a Libertini, that whole thing where he was trying to change his name? But no, I know what like you're like he was I know nut. what
1: you're confusing it
0: with. What tell me, please.
1: You're confusing it with that Twilight Zone 85 episode where he's with uh where he's time travel, where he's like an alien, remember? And he goes and he's like, Oh, with Shelley Duvall. Duvall? Yeah. I think that's oh, what
0: you're my confusing God. it with. Yeah, that's oh, gotta wow. be, because that's what
1: I thought of. Because I was like, this is this is close in terms of like, oh, he has some special knowledge that only he has. But and he's trying to, like, impart it to other people. Like,
0: okay, yeah, because he was Mr. One, two, two, three back in season four. He was Richard Burrito in uh, the Middle Age episode in season five. And then unfortunately, this is his last time here. But he makes such an impression. I just love that guy so much. Yeah,
1: I'm. I'm a huge fan. as As someone who is a huge fan of Fletch, I'm a huge fan of Richard Libertini. His IMDb photo is his uh, role as Frank cleaning Fletch's shoes on the plantation in Fletch Lives. So, I mean, I, I mean, I know you're a huge fan of the
0: Popeye movie. I am actually, yes, yeah. As, no, like, I wasn't as, being. Uh, I wasn't
1: being ironic. I know that you are. <laughs> like,
0: now, you recently watched All of Me,
1: correct? Right, and he's in that as well. Nice. Get in the can't. bowl. Back and back and forth, and a little. <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's fine.
0: it's so good. It's fine. And I want to say he's in the in-laws as well. So we'll be talking about him on the uh, the Colombo show when we get to that.
1: I yeah, I was about to say like if he doesn't show up in Colombo,
0: I'm going to be really disappointed. He doesn't but. show up in Colombo, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty darn sure he's in the yeah, it's General Garcia in the in-laws. So that's a, that's a shame yeah we'll definitely be talking about him there
1: he's great here and yeah we again come back to yet another instance where one arthur dietrich is apparently some the episode wisely doesn't tell us what is going on which is the smartest it's the yeah it's the smartest thing because you can't tell if this is for real or not is this guy just completely nuts but the fact that he knows who Dietrich is and that Dietrich is someone important is a really funny gag, but I'm taking it literally.
0: <laughs> I think you're OK to take it literally. You know, it's that whole thing that we we're talking about. Uh, what was it? Uh, a nut with proof, right? Paranoid. <laughs> paranoids with proof. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he does. Just- He doesn't have the proof necessarily, but he sure talks a good game. And I love his whole, like, you know, observing all of the things I'm, and I'm guess I'm also thinking of the character that Matt Fruer played in star Trek, the next generation, where he was an actual time traveler. And so he would say things like, oh, oh, you're, you're, you're William Riker. Oh, wow. And we just like have these big reactions. But then you find out later on that he's actually from the past and not from the future, and he's there to basically steal all this stuff from the future and take it to the past with him. But just that whole, you know, you're Arthur Dietrich? age hey, Dietrich. Just he the way that he uh overreacts to that. I actually I, I, I absolutely love that.
1: So my question to you then is given all the information that we have, what is going on? If you if we're to if we're to go a little for like let us just sit here for a moment and play along, right? What is going on with Dietrich then as a character? Is he a a time-traveling alien?
0: I don't know. I I don't know about the time-traveling part, but the alien part, I'm starting to buy into your theory. Have you asked uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes about it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if
0: he has an answer. Your buddy Jonathan?
1: Yeah, my friend John. Mr. Yeah. Frank's, as they call oh, him. Oh, yeah. As they call him. I call him John. They call him Mr. Frank. Yeah. Um, I, I I think the only interpretation is that Arthur Dietrich is either immortal or he's an alien. And and being an alien gives him an inordinately long life. And he is just on Earth like my favorite Martian, just to yeah. hang out. And look, you know what? Wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be cheeky if a cop show set in the 70s and 80s just happened to have one of the characters be an alien? to what end is my question and why is this joke being reused so much and why do they keep going back to this joke because this was what was it the lie detector the lie detector episode where they did that as well yeah yeah and they were like yeah i have i forget what he asks him and he's like he's not (laughs) 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 lying like wait a second he's not he's like he's not supposed to be able to answer these truthfully but i guess he's an alien like that's again like i'm sure there are plenty of people that are fans of barney miller that will listen to this and think that i'm fucking nuts but watch the show that you love so much and actually give it a moment to tell you what it wants you to think and i don't know what else it would want us to think if not arthur dietrich is not just a human being
0: right right yeah it i mean it is the era of more and mindy so yeah, you know, we did have aliens as main characters on tv what?
1: And he was represented by having, what, two little things coming out of the back of his head? like or, right. or, or, or Does Mork even have antenna? I'm thinking of my favorite Martian, aren't I?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think if he has anything when he's speaking to Orson. And I, I don't think so. I think he's just, yeah, he can't remember if, if he, there's something when he does Yeah, like the whole nano Nano thing. No, I, it's been way too long. And I, I remember liking that show, but I was also like eight years old when right. I watched it. Yeah. Was
1: that, that was wasn't he spun off from Happy Days?
0: He was. Yeah, he showed up on Happy Days.
1: So so why why would it be hard to believe that they would have an alien in this show?
0: Yeah, no it wouldn't be hard at all.
1: Right? Like I don't know, like maybe again because it's a cop show like oh, they would never do that. But right. I'm, I'm kind of glad that I've always been really happy with the subject matter that the show tackles and the 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 scenarios, you know, the situations as it were that they put Mm -hmm. their characters into because it's not just the usual bullshit. It tends to be rather creative.
0: Other thing I like about the whole time travel thing is him getting Harris so involved in zinc. And of course I just kept thinking of that educational cartoon that they showed on the Simpsons all about a world without zinc. Right. Oh my God. He pulls out the gun and starts and he's, Goes to kill himself and is like, oh, 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 Jimmy, that firing pin is made out of zinc.
1: (laughs) Is that Kentucky Kentucky Fried movie as well? Is it? Yeah, where the woman is like, and your leg is also made out of aluminum. Oh, my
0: God. Right? I forgot about that. Wow. So the Simpsons must have been a nod to that.
1: Yeah, it has to be. I mean, they come back, Zink, come back. The Simpsons takes it to the logical next step, which is trying to commit suicide in the gun knife right. going on. But yeah. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that I thought of the same thing. I love that he's like all in on zinc. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: How much can I buy for that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say they also had a stock joke uh, in the previous episode when he's all dressed up in the homeless thing. And I can't remember if it's Dietrich that says something like, I told you not to go all in on Chrysler.
1: Yeah, it's a nice
0: little jab at where the auto industry was at the time. It was pre-K car, I believe.
1: Well, I, I also like that they also get a uh, a, a he, Harris gets a jab on Richard Libertini during the zinc conversation. He's like, I almost forgot, you're crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like at the end of the episode, though, Harris, you do end up buying zinc, so it yeah. was crazy.
0: Who is really crazy? I mean, yeah, he bought all that gold, or at least he thought he was buying all that gold. It's like, oh, yeah, here you go. And he hands him the one ingot or like not even an ingot, just like a tiny little bar. Yeah, yeah. It's that's like, that's all right. All that for this? Yeah. The guy who was selling his whole everything, liquidating everything. Is yeah. The chagrin of his poor suffering wife. I Yeah, I remember that one. That was a good one. I was just going to say. It's a shame that Otto couldn't join us on this one because I think he really wanted to talk about the role of Zatelli because this is the first time we've seen Zatelli this season since he -hmm. came out. I think it was what in the first episode, I think. Correct. Yeah. So here he is back. And now we've got, you know, Marty and Mr. Driscoll here and really showing a, you know, a whole rights issue of, you know, keeping the son away from Mr. Driscoll. And it's like, okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a, Big thing. And then uh when he's getting berated by his wife about stuff, his ex-wife, I should say, that is when Zatelli is just like, Well, I'm gay. And I think it's supposed to it feels like it should be a bigger moment, but it just kind of landed with a thud to me. How about for you? And
1: as someone who is gay, I was glad that this was addressed in a way that didn't feel like the way they addressed the rape episode. Oh, like so- a big laugh. Yeah, like, he's a fruit. Like, right, right. I'm glad they didn't do that. However, yeah, the way that he does it just, it it, it is exactly what it needed to be for the time and nothing else. And I'm glad that it wasn't a joke. But it's it's not the moment that I think they thought it was. And like you said, I think they thought this was going to be some big moment. But here's the problem. Satelli has to come back more than twice a season for anybody to care. And you know what? He doesn't. I care more about the two other gay characters who I've seen a ton of times at this point.
0: Oh yeah, you, you have a real relationship with these guys, whereas Zatelli, it's like I saw him more in previous seasons than I have in this season, where he now has a story to him. Right. And actual
1: like actual motivations as a character. And it's well, like, it Oh, is- I'm gay. And it's like, okay, but 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 what does you telling them mean?
0: Yeah, I was waiting for a speech. Like, okay, I'm gay and like now let's get a little bit more here, please.
1: Yeah. And he just turns around and goes, I'm gay. When this woman is berating, you know, them, they, the, them and they being the gay, you know, the gays in the gay community. And mm-hmm. yeah, like it's just, I don't know. That moment doesn't feel earned at all.
0: No, it doesn't. And I was really hoping that it would. I was like, oh, cause you're setting this up, you know, you're setting us up with bringing back these two characters that we haven't seen in a few seasons now. Which is great, and I'm super excited to see them. And then you put them in this difficult situation. And, you know, interesting that like Wojo has a pretty good conversation with Driscoll talking about stuff. And it's like, oh, okay, this is interesting. This is good. And it's like you're getting to see how far Wojo has come over the years. He can actually have a conversation with a gay person and not be super weird about it. So yeah, it, it, I was like, okay, this is great. You're setting us up. You've got Zatelli in here. Zatelli, they're just like, hey, why don't you tell people? Gotta get this out in the open. And then he comes out, but then there's nothing, no follow up to it. Yeah, that was strange.
1: I wanted it to be better. I wanted it to matter. I wanted, I wanted Levitt and his interaction to not be weird. But it is. And it's weird yeah. because because Levitt is weirded out by the fact that he's gay.
0: Yeah. And it feels like such a cheap trick mean, even for this show. Well, it's almost like Levitt is now taking up the mantle that Wojo is mm-hmm. slowly leaving behind.
1: Right. That's what I mean. Like, it's just like it, at this point, why is this show doing that joke? You've already shown that you can introduce us to a gay character in your show. Right. Right. I don't know. That was probably the one issue I have with the handling of the storyline is you you have to make us care about the character that's coming out right enough for that coming out to matter.
0: Right. Right. But exactly.
1: But the A. Dietrich stuff is funny. And the other it's stuff with funny. Mr. Driscoll is funny. And, and you know, and 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 all of the kind of back and forth and yeah, the conversation that Wojo has with him is great. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like actually having something to say about the topic. Being gay in the early 80s, late 70s, like, yeah, you had to deal with people being assholes. Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Duh,
1: and You oh, still gosh. do. Still do now. Like, nothing has changed. Right. I mean, things have changed, and, but, you know.
0: Well, and things are about to get so much worse for the gay community. I right. Mean, we are. right, Yeah. 1980 here. I mean, I'm sure some cases are starting to happen, but we're going to be in a real bad spot here over the next couple of years.
1: Yeah. And that's the other kind of hard thing to really wrap your head around is like the, the show. I, I appreciate that the show is trying to do this in a respectful way, but the, sh- the like the shit is, like you said, about to hit the fan and get oh, yeah. the, the gay community. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you know nothing about the eighties, awesome, but you should educate yourself if you don't. Especially about uh, gay rights and the treatment of of the gay community, especially by people like Reagan. So, exactly, you know, refusing to acknowledge HIV by name is really cool. No, it's not. And yeah, it's 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 kind of it all feels of a piece of that. Like you want to have the conversation, but you don't want to actually have anything to say. You just want to sit and kind of signal. And that's kind of what it feels like. for For once, I'm kind of disappointed with this show because it really feels like a mishandling of something that. They really think that they handled well. That's why I'm disappointed. Not because they didn't do a good job, but they think they did a good job. And when you think you did a good job, you can't really be reasonable.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see where else they go with this. Um, Because, of course, I know that uh, Driscoll and Marty come back, uh, at least in the very last episode. I'm hoping that they come back more often Um, coming up here, now that they're back from California, I guess, because that's where the, the last time we saw them, they were just about to move. And I hope we see more of Zatelli. I think you told me that we don't see that much of him uh over this season. One more time one in more the time. entire show. The entire show? So he doesn't come back in
1: seven and... The ninth episode of the seventh season, and that is it.
0: Oh, wow. So well, one in... I love the picture of Dino Natale, uh, a.k.a zatelli on his imdb i don't know how old he is in this picture but he just is an older gentleman it looks like he's having a great time he's got almost the same amount of hair as he has in this and he hasn't acted on anything in anything film or td wise since 86 but i can't even it, it doesn't look like he's the kind of guy that is gonna quit so i wonder if he does like theater or something
1: yeah i i I'm, I I he's been in five episodes and this is the fourth of five episodes. <sighs> I know. It's it's weird. It's it's a very weird handling of the character for I think a show that again has done such a good job up until this point. Like even with the first episode that they were talking about him being gay. Inquisition at the beginning of the season was Scanlan. That's a better episode in terms yeah. of having a conversation about gay characters on television and and being gay in you know, in the world of the late 70s, early 80s.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a bummer, but at least we've got Libertini to keep us in stitches.
1: I, I think this is still a good episode. I, I think uh, that oh, this yeah. is one of the better episodes of the show, but I just don't think that it nails that moment the way that right. it, if if it had nailed the moment the way it thought it did, I think we'd be talking about this as one of the best episodes of the show.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause yeah, it almost it's like I just want to remember it for the B plot because the A plot, as good as it is in moments, it does have one moment where Dino Natale Natali just it doesn't it doesn't hit, but they think it does, and it's just mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it hit in in eighty. Maybe we're we're missing the 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 context of of time, but I just can't imagine. I don't know. I can't imagine what the response was. I guess. Did you know clutching
0: the, like. Did you know that the guy that plays Marty was. He's done a ton of voice work, and he was at least three of the dwarves in the Rankin and Bass Hobbit. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's Like I almost want to go back and rewatch that now and be like, and I hear his voice.
1: I really like those two characters a lot. Oh. I'm glad that they've shown up as many times as they have. I like that you know Marty showed up first, and then he got a pal to show up with. Yeah. I I I I don't know. They're probably. For me, they're probably the best characters, the the best like side characters on the show.
0: Yeah. Well, and because when they show up, it's not usually, if they're in trouble, it's for something dumb, right? Like this, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, he technically he was kidnapping, he was in the wrong, but at the same time, his wife was in the wrong. And as we know, two wrongs still make a right, but it really points out something. And for the most part, it's like they'll come in and, like, oh, we need help, Barney, with this thing, or like, hey, we're moving to California. Just, they're more yeah, part of the group which I really like.
1: But unfortunately, this is the last time we will be seeing them until the final episode of the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, it's bizarre. I mean, again, like, we're taking this show and looking at it through the lens of, like, current television where you would never have a character not show up for a season and a half like this. But yeah, this is the last time we see Jack DeLeon, and I'm assuming the last time we see Ray Stewart until the final episode of the show. Yeah. And that's the yeah, that's totally the case. They don't show up again until landmark part three. So wow. Yeah, I don't know. Like it it feels like this is the last episode they want to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. And this is the last time that they ever want to broach the gay topic. And look, this is halfway through season six, so maybe they'll have more topical issues to talk about, but I'm pretty sure that the gay topic was pretty topical in 7980.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Well, yeah, when we come back next time, we'll hear more about Dietrich, so maybe we'll uh, we'll hear some uh, a little bit more background on him. But yeah, he's uh, going to be arrested. Dietrich's Arrest Part 1 and 2. We'll also talk about Uniform Days, which I think is... That's the episode I'm that I'm see thinking pictures of pictures of all of them in uniforms. Okay.
1: That is the episode that I'm thinking of and that I was talking about earlier. Cause now that you mentioned the uniform thing, it's like, oh yeah, that's the episode.
0: Yeah. And then guns. So nothing topical with guns, I'm sure. Um, because luckily we took care of that problem. We had that one mass shooting back in uh, in the eighties, and we've just um outlawed all assault rifles and have really you know, clamped down on gun laws and just have made America very, very safe. So this will be interesting as an anachronistic type of thing.
1: Make America safe again did happen, and it worked.
0: Yeah. What a campaign that was.
1: Yeah, I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. I really am expecting them to to hammer home that Dietrich is an alien thing and arrest because he's at an anti-nuclear rally.
0: And he, he probably knows the dangers of nuclear power.
1: Um, yeah. Hey, man, the day the earth stood still was all about like, don't destroy your environment and, you know, don't destroy yourselves with weapons. If that's what they're drawing, if that's what I'm assuming they're going to draw from, which is my hope, then yeah, I mean, how could it not be that?
0: Well, and there's that whole weird thing too. He was protesting, he was protesting the Vietnam War, right? right. So he definitely is a protester, which is great. But I want to say, like, he was super young when the Vietnam War or would have been super young uh, when the Vietnam War was going on. So it's like, hmm, I don't know. I could be totally wrong about about that. Dietrich is not an alien.
1: The final (laughs) shot of the show is him being beamed up. Like, Oh, that was really weird. (laughs) Or, or, or the final shot. This is what I want the final shot of the episode to be. The final shot of the final episode is Dietrich waking up in a bed on a spaceship and going, I just had the craziest dream. Wow. <laughs> fuck, fuck everybody. Who cares anymore? <laughs> Nobody would like this show if that was the ending of this show, by the way. Every, no one would want to have anything to do with this show if he woke up on a spaceship at the end of the episode.
0: I mean, yeah. The only thing I can think of, and it's weird that we're talking about this, Yeah, you know, we still have a season and a half to go, but still, yeah, it's looming. I... Definitely just see everyone out of the precinct, except for Barney. And he walks to the door, looks around one last time, puts his puts a little check by his name that is going out of, out of the office. Turns off the lights, closes the door, and you just see the backwards writing of police station. That's the final shot. Oh, it gave me chills just thinking about it.
1: <laughs> I'm... I'm not even joking. I think when we get to like, I didn't really have an emotional reaction with Kolchak at the end of that show, no. but this I'm probably going to have an emotional reaction when we get to the end of this show, because this, right. I mean, this I don't know because, you know, um, a little behind the scenes, we're starting a new show. You and I at the start of 2024, and it's going to take us longer than this, but it's only an episode a month. And so if we had done an episode a month with this show, it would have taken us forever. So we okay. we wanted to do a show this long, and to do a show this long, we had to break it up into three episodes, an episode. But, like, I don't know, like, this is the first show I feel like we're watching the whole thing. Like, and mm-hmm. yeah, Kolchak only lasted one season. So, you know, that's, it, it always, that's always feels a little bittersweet because Kolchak is always kind of a big what if, but yeah, I don't know, like, it feels like, it feels like now we're in this weird spot where, like, Part of the old time of the show seems to be ending, and the show seems to be transitioning into something else. So, I'm excited to see where we go from here, but yeah, no more of some of the really reoccurring characters and actors that we've seen, so.
0: Yeah, it feels like season seven will be different. Yes. I'm not sure how, but different.
1: Right. And I'm wondering if the end of this season will feel even more like a soft ending to the show. Right. So,
0: Well, until we talk next month, Chris, what are you up to?
1: Weirdingwaymedia.com is what I'm up to, which is a place where you can hear all the things that I work on, which are weekly, monthly, and everything in between, Culture Cast, Scary Stories We Tell, Bollywood Cinema Club, Colchak Tapes, Chronicles from the Crypt. The list could go on and I could continue, but I won't. Just go look them up yourself at weirdingwaymedia.com. What
0: about you, Mike? Uh, Almost the same, but just not as many shows, really. So... Just got the one that I work on all the time, the projection booth. And then some of these shows that uh, we, I do with you and with Father Malone and you, and they're great. I'm looking forward. We are about to wrap up the night gallery, our midnight viewing podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go into some brave new worlds with that, which uh, sound pretty exciting. Yeah.
1: We're, we're it's, it's a, it's a season of change here. Weirding Way Media, we're, we're working on new things and old, uh, things that we've been working on are coming to a close. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I think we're ending two shows this year. So yeah. Rankin, Rankin, which has been Rankin, which I think we, we started Rankin around the same time we started this. I feel like, yeah. or no, I guess Rankin. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cause we had to, we, we knew Richard for a while before we yeah. did Rankin. Yeah. yeah.
0: Back in the Kolchak days, even though Kolchak was one season and two movies, we definitely stretched it out for a while.
1: This is uh, no Barney Miller has been uh, has been definitely a joy to to watch together. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where this like the seventh season. I'm so curious now because like I'm just I kind of want the season to be over so we can get to that seventh season because it does feel like there's going to be a weird seat change. So.
0: We will find out yeah. when we come back next month. Until then, please rate and review the show, wherever you get it from, probably iTunes. And it would be nice. Give us five stars. Let other people know about the show. I don't think there's too many Barney Miller podcasts out there. I think we might be the only show in town. So hope you like it. That's all I got. Nope.